It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 41. Wild jaguars crashing down waterfalls and sinking into mud bogs. Today's episode is an unbelievable Amazon jungle story of survival. Grab your machetes and let's roll. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. G'day and bienvenidos to all our Spanish-speaking listeners. Oh, I love it. Shout out. Yeah, just a little something different. Uh, this is the No Bueno Viaje, no, Not So Bon Voyage in Spanish. Would that yeah, be it? Yeah. yeah, I'll say yes. Yeah, why I'm not? i say it's, it's a little, It's a little rusty. Uh, we will not be doing this whole podcast in Spanish because we are not a Spanish-speaking podcast. But shout out to all the ones that are listening to us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, episode 41 of the Not So Bon Voyage, When Shit Goes Wrong on the Road, I'm I'm Jules. I'm Christine. And we're bringing another very interesting article. It's not an article, it's an episode. You always say article. I always say article. That's because we're bloggers first and foremost. So thank you. Can't lose the heart of where we came from. That's our our roots. roots. (gasps) It's our origin story. It's our origin story. Nice. So if anybody wants to make a Marvel movie about us, we're here, we're available. Yes. Call our people. Connect us with Hugh Jackman. That'd connect be great. us with Scott Johansson. Everybody's happy. Everybody's in the Marvel movies, honestly. Yeah. Pretty much every actor is is in there. Except us. There's like twenty five million movie and super they just people. Printing money. Yeah, they're printing money over yeah. there. Okay. But this is not a Marvel podcast. It is not a Marvel podcast. There is The only origin story is us, and this is episode 41, and I have an update. I know you guys are really excited about this, but guess what? I'm excited. Haven't heard from mum. Oh, mom, what are you doing? So, hashtag where's Helen? It obviously hasn't trended enough to expand all the way to my mum's podcast listening in Melbourne, Australia. So, this is her second last chance to touch base. Does she listen to any podcasts? I think so. I think she listens to true crime ones. Oh, that's even more whack then. Yeah, it's not like she's not a podcaster. She's not a huge podcaster, but she does listen to podcasts and she's not listening to ours. So, second last chance. Once again, not a threat, but we're going to try one more time next week. And if she does not respond, then I will call her live and put her on the spot. Fun. And then she will not only listen to our podcast, but she will be a podcaster herself. She will be a co-host. Do we have to give her any kind of royalties? Probably. We have mm. to may- maybe give her production yeah. credit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So, mum, yeah, Hashtag where's Helen. Hashtag where's Helen. And that's it. That's, okay. That's the only update I got. So she gets one more try. She gets one, next One more week. chance to listen. And then if not, we're calling her live on air to hear what she has to say for herself. Put her on the spot, unedited. Hopefully, maybe if she swears, I'll edit that part. Actually, no, I won't. No, oh. let's have a get raw. Keep it in. Uh, this is not a. This is an explicit podcast. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything happening in the news? I'm telling the main story today, and yes, my main story today is going to be very interesting. And it is off the back of last week talking about Into the Wild. So Christine talked about the crazy story of Christ, Christopher McCandless, also known as Alexander Supertramp. And you might know him from a little movie called Into the Wild, which is also a book called Into the Wild, which is based off a true story. And it is probably one of the most famous travel stories out there. It's a really, really interesting story. And as I found out last week, it has a lot of twists to it. Mm, Twists and turns. Twists and turns. And there's a lot more to the story that you don't know, probably. Mm. Because it's not really detailed in the movie. Yeah. Well, there. so the book version, the author took a lot of creative liberties with the truth in making that book yep but uh so just listen to last week's 
podcast. It'll make more sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very interesting. Uh, and so today, inspired by that, I'm going to talk about another movie from a book, from a real life story, and it is wild as well. It's not called is Into it the wi- Wild. Is it, was it no, wild no, no. with Reese Witherspoon? No, it's not. Is that, <laughs> actually, that would be a good one, though. I no, know. This is called Jungle. It's a 2017 movie with Daniel Radcliffe and yes. Love it. Do they go to the jungle? Yes, they do. They go wow. to the Amazon and I'll explain that right after our, I was going to say commercial break, but these it's really messages. these messages. So the, <laughs> we don't have ads. Don't worry, no, guys. No, we don't have ads. Not yet. If you want to be an ad, <laughs> look us up. Look us up and pay us. <laughs> and pay us. So I actually have two in the news stories this week. Two in the news. That means travel starting to open up again. That is exactly what that means. So travel, like Vegas has opened up, as we discussed last week, and various other locations. Love it. Bring it home. So this first news piece I have titled Flights to Nowhere. Okay. So obviously travel is on hold, which is making us miss every part of travel. You know, seeing new places, eating new foods, going to the airport. Everybody loves to go to the airport. It's exciting. It's fun. Well, it's because it's the precursor before you leave on the trip. So you get excited. I don't know if I love the airport. No, that's true. I don't really love flying sometimes, but... Being at the airport means that I'm about to go away and therefore it is by proxy very exciting. Being at the airport is awesome if you don't have a long line and you're not carrying too many bags. If you're going on like a weekend trip on like a short flight and you're just carrying like a big purse, then going to the airport is so fun. But oftentimes we're at the airport with like our giant heavy backpacks and we're just it's just a lot we got a camera it's like sweaty for some reason it's cold and hot at the same time i don't know i'm wearing like 25 layers because i don't want to pay for extra baggage yes that's pretty much a guarantee yeah exactly so anyway back to the news story so at Songshan Airport in Taiwan, they are offering 90 people a chance to pretend they're going on vacation. Wow. All these stresses <laughs> and all the shit things about being an airport without the trip. That exactly. sounds amazing. So basically, this isn't the main airport in Taiwan. This is like a side airport that's not as commonly used. So they're inviting people on there for like a half day tour. They actually get to go in a fake immigration experience, board the plane and disembark the plane. Okay. And they're not going like the, anywhere. I feel like at that stage, why don't they just get on the plane and go somewhere? It's a huge tease, right? It's like, oh, I'll, I'm so excited. I'm going on the plane. And it's like, okay, thank you. Goodbye. Get off the plane. And then you just drive home. Are you dealing with uh, flight attendants? Yes, you would definitely be dealing with flight attendants, oh, I would imagine. Because that is, would be the worst part. <laughs> yeah, that would be the worst part. I mean, immigration also sucks, but flight attendants, yeah. yeah those people. Those people. Yeah. <sighs> So if you don't know what we're joking about, we have an ongoing joke about flight attendants. Oh, I'm not joking. We don't really hate Christine, them, but it's somehow become a thing. Christine's not joking. And you just got to stay with things, you, you should, know? You should hear what Christine says about flight attendants behind closed doors. That's, that's behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Anyway, would you take advantage of this experience to go into the airport? Well, they said it's actually good for people who haven't flown internationally before, who may not really know how the immigration works. Is it like a training ground? It's like a training. Yeah, basically. Uh, No, I personally wouldn't. And not to toot my own horn, toot toot. But as long-term travelers, we are probably regarded more as travel professionals. I don't feel like I need the training. I try to... I hate airports anyway. So We've no. been training our whole life for this. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But I actually could see the value in it and it being like a fun sort of something different. It, you know what it would be? It would be a very unique date to take someone on. Oh, that would be a unique date. Like a little date, date day. 
Maybe I would take you on that on a date, Aww, like as a that's surprise. Sweet. That's cute. I wonder how I would react if you told me you were, if you were like, get dressed up, I'm taking you on a really special date. <laughs> and then if we get there and we're at the airport, I'd be like, oh my God, we're flying somewhere. And then you're like, no, we're just going through immigration and getting on the plane and getting off the plane. Yes. And you get to deal with flight attendants. And uh, yeah. I'd be pissed. You can't even ask them for things. They like tell you what to do. They boss you around. And you can't even get drinks off them. That date would only be second to worst, second to worst of going to the Cheesecake Factory. One day. Which Jules always tells One me he's going to say, he's going to tell me to get really dressed up to go on a big fancy date, and then he's going to take me to the Cheesecake Factory, which is not good. I don't like the Cheesecake Factory. One your day. menu is too big. Your portions are too big. Stop. All right, next in the news. Next in the news. This one is so cool. Okay, so there's a woman. Her name is Kathy Sullivan, and she was the first American woman to walk in space. Okay? Okay, go that, Kathy. That was back in 1984, so that's old news. Okay, that's old news. <laughs> this, this is definitely I'm, not I'm in the news. archives. Okay. We really had to dig deep to really get some travel deep. news. I mean, travel's dead right now, so. But now, she's become the first person to reach the deepest known spot in the ocean. All right. She's a pioneer. Isn't that cool? She's, she's a real 68. pioneer. She's 68. She's an astronaut and an oceanographer. And last Sunday, she went 35,000 feet down to this place called the Challenger Deep, which is near Guam. It's the deepest part of the ocean. So she's literally been like the highest high and the lowest imp- lows of this earth. She's very impressive. Isn't that so cool? It took four hours for them to get back up. Because that is that to do with like pressurization and stuff? Probably. Plus, this is a long way. Wow. Okay. Well, she is very impressive. Yeah. So I shout out to you, Kathy. You are a true adventurer. In all essences of the term. Yes. I Would you go into space if it was like available for tourism? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. We talked about this recently because we've been watching the Netflix show Space Force. And I don't know if I would... I feel like I'd get claustrophobic. Yeah, that's true. It is small. Plus, uh, that would be so trippy. But honestly, I feel like you have to do it. How cool. Going I, into I, space? I would do it only if I can go to the moon and walk. Oh, it was just, okay. That's a stipulation. Well, okay. It would be cool to do the zero gravity thing, the way you could get out there and you could unbuckle and just float around and have fun. But I feel like the big part about it would be actually going somewhere. I feel like, like we're a long way of away from that. I feel like it's more going to be like a round trip, like a, we're going. It's more. It's kind of like the airport experience. It's a bit of a tease. It's a bit of a tease. It's like taking a flight. It's like going to the airport. So we go to San Francisco, we check in, we do all this sort of stuff, except this one probably takes you days to prepare for. That's true. And then you take off and you do a lap around LA and then you come back and you land in San Francisco and you're back there and uh, then you go home. Fun. Well, I think it'd be cool to look down back at Earth from my space shuttle Yes. And also from your space shuttle? Yes. I'm actually going to be doing a solo mission into space. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be alone, except I will be having a dogstronaut with me, a pupstronaut, preferably. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be hanging out, and it's just me and the dog, and that'll be the best vacation ever. And you're by yourself. And you've got reality (laughs) shows. And I have my reality shows. I got my books, and that's it. I'm good to go. Okay. Astronaut ice cream. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So that's my end of the news. Yeah. Well, that's a good question to the Voyagers. We would love to know, would you go to space if you could? Yeah, we would love to know. Yes. We'll write that down and we will ask you across the Meads as well. We're really close to NASA, actually. So if you want to be recommended for a mission, shoot us your name. We can get your details. We can shoot it over to them. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's make it happen. We can get in contact with Elon Musk, SpaceX. Got the hookups. We got the hookups. Grimes. We'll talk talk to Grimes. We're good. Let's do it. (laughs) 
Okay, my time to shine. Give me the limelight and give me your attention because it is my main story today. And as oh, I you're said, you're really going to milk this, aren't oh, you? Yes. Oh, here we go. As I said earlier, it is a true story turned book turned movie, like Into the Wild last week. And my, I'm calling it. I'm giving it a different name. I'm calling it Kevin and Yoshi do the Amazon. Oh, is that like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, or like a Harold and Kumar or something like oh, that. Oh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? Yeah, something like that. Okay, nice. So I got inspired after we were talking about Into the Wild and I sort of started thinking about other true stories that were turning into books and things like that. And so, yeah, so I looked at it and it is a true story of, um, by a man called Yoshi Ginsberg who wrote about his experience in 1981 after being lost in the Bolivian jungle. Ooh. And then it got turned into – so he, he had that experience. He turned it into a book. And then years, decades later, it got turned into a movie called Jungle and had Daniel Radcliffe, who we love because we're big – Shout out to Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And so I'm going to take you back to the beginning of Yoshi's story and then I'm going to get into the story. And it is crazy. I cannot wait. I love a good Lost in the Jungle story. Yes. Because honestly, there's nothing scarier than being lost in the Amazon jungle. I mean, you are literally in one of the most untouched, pristine, crazy places. And this is back in the 80s, early 80s. Yeah. Like, we've watched Naked and Afraid where they are in the jungle. And it's like, that shit will get come after you. It's real. Like, you think it's a big vine? No, it's a big snake. And yeah. it's going to wrap itself around your body. And then you're going to suffocate and die. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Okay. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to do a little bit of an origin story because we love origin stories. Oh, yes. Apparently we do. Yossi. Let's get back to the beginning and tell his tale. He was born in a place called Ramat Gan. Don't know where that is, but it's in Israel in 1959. And he was born into a family of survivors. Mm. So his fa uh, his parents had actually survived the Holocaust in World War II. Wow. So, survivors. So they were survivors. So I can imagine that Yossi is definitely, he's been brought up with some grit. A yes. bit of determination. It's so, in the blood. like all Israelis, he joined the mandatory military service mm -hmm. after he finished school. So, he did a few um, years in that and he enlisted in the Navy. So, I think he got the opportunity to go and visit some different places and maybe be stationed in different spots around the world. So, he had a passion for travel. That's cool. He was an adventurer. He really wanted to get out and he had his eyes set on a real adventure once he finished at the military. So, he really wanted to go to South America. And he had his heart set on the idea of exploring uncharted territory, seeing tribes that maybe hadn't had experience, like indigenous populations, oh, wow. finding gold. Like he wanted to be a real adventurer. Wait, sorry, what year is this? This is well. Okay, oh, we'll you're doing the background. Okay, I got you're it. Doing got the background, it. yeah. So that's that's what he's like as a youngster. So after working a couple of different jobs to save up cash, in 1981 he sets off for South America at age 21. Okay. okay. Great so he, age to travel. 21. He's loving it. He's like, and, and life. 1981 in South America, old school. It, that is old school. That actually, 20 yeah. years ago. Uh, sorry, uh, 40 years ago. No Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. No any. I mean, was there even Wi-Fi in general? No. There was dial-up. In 1981? Oh, uh, probably. Wasn't there? No, I don't think Maybe so. Maybe not. Oh, no internet. No internet. Pre-internet. I mean, maybe like a government level they had mm, something. CIA. Yeah. Top secret Top shit. secret stuff. So I'm not exactly sure where he started. Doesn't really matter. But just to give <laughs> you a bit of a background as to the adventuring that he was up to, he was in Venezuela at one stage and he hitchhiked into Colombia. Mm -hmm. It was there that he made a really good Swiss friend called Marcus Stam and the two traveled onwards together until they landed in La Paz, Bolivia. Love it. Travel buddy. Travel buddies. Get one. 
Get one. I have one. Yeah. He's sitting right here. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Once the two of them got to La Paz, they also met an American photographer called Kevin Gale. And it was also in La Paz that they met a guy called Carl Ruprechter. Mm, that sounds like you're pronouncing it perfectly correctly. Yep. Ruprechter. Well, I'm just going to call him Carl. Okay. He is an Austrian geologist, and he is said to be a little bit of an oddball. Mm. He is a self-proclaimed explorer, and he's okay. set on making an expedition into the depths of the Bolivian Amazon in search of gold. Oh, fun. Yeah. So they're in La Paz. You know, you, you know, you meet people on the road. They're kind of kooky and crazy. Oh, and I, I know. Yeah. person sitting next to me, yeah. as we mentioned. As we mentioned. <laughs> so you can meet all kinds of people there. Sometimes you meet some really fun people. You get some of your best travel buddies. You get, you know, uh, but you also meet some people who are a little bit escaping reality or escaping society and grandiose mm-hmm. ideas and stuff. But oh, he's yeah. planning on searching for gold. So Yossi had been gearing up for this exact type of trip. A, he gold, was like, a gold searching mission? Well, just exploration. Love it. So he was immediately wooed by the allure of exploring ancient villages, gold, and like that kind of opportunity, that chance to go where somebody had never been before. Like an Indiana Jones Like an Indiana Jones, exactly. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to just explore. He didn't want to go to the usual tourist stuff. He just wanted to go and find a new temple or a new village or just – which is kind of what every – Hardcore traveler idealizes. I feel like that's probably definitely a very 80s as well. Well, you had the opportunity to do it. These days, I feel like it's way harder. Definitely. And now it's kind of like we're more aware of like etiquette in terms of maybe we shouldn't go to the uncontacted tribe. Maybe we should just let them live their Where lives. Where we're not invited. Yeah, exactly. Where we're not invited. Well, we find, we know what happened to John Allen Chow when he went to the uncontacted tribe in the Andaman Islands. Exactly. Like just because you're discovering a temple or you're discovering something doesn't mean other people... Have, they built that temple. Somebody built it. Yeah, you're, you're, just, not, you're not really discovering it. They're yeah, like, exactly. hey, we were here. We know it's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're good. They don't really need your yeah. help. And here's a spear. <laughs> oh. So, so Yossi, like, he was just like, yep, bang, I'm in, 100%. And Yossi's, Yossi, I keep wanting to call him Yoshi. Like from Mario? Yeah, from Mario. <laughs> Yossi's mate Marcus signed up as well, as did Kevin. And so the four random travelers came together as one for one crazy Amazon adventure, and the Amazon did not disappoint. Dream team. Dream Love team. Love it. If, so my question was going to be, it's kind of similar. If you met a random traveler who was heading into the Amazon for an adventure, would you join them? Oh, gosh. I mean, I want to say yes, obviously, but the Amazon's a crazy place. You need to be careful. But we'll just go with the yes. I mean, at this point, I would pretty much do anything right now for, in terms of travel. Yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. So together, the four guys, they boarded a plane in, sorry, to Apollo in La Paz, which I guess it was just like a small plane inside the district of La Paz. And they continued onto the Tucci River until they got to a local village. There's a lot of names here that are hard to pronounce. Let's do it. They got to a local <laughs> village called Asariamas. Mm. Asariamas? Mm. I don't know. Don't want well, to mispronounce that one. Ria is like Rio, like, um, which means a river. river. And must means more. So maybe it's like more of the river. More river. More, more river, river. More river. <laughs> and I looked I looked this place up, this area up on a map, and the village is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And it's definitely off the usual tourist route, especially for 1981, which is, I can imagine, is very, very desolate. Cool. So it's not a surprise that Carl is actually noted as saying that the indigenous population of Asariamus were very primitive, in his words, okay. and had seen very little white people in their lifetime. 
Okay, which makes is a pretty sense. crazy concept to think. There's very few places like that now, mm-hmm. but those uncontacted tribes to think that you could go somewhere and they would see you as white and be like, "Hmm, you look very mm-hmm. different." Yeah, that is interesting. Isn't that a crazy concept to think that there are still people out there living like they had for thousands of years? Yes, that is so interesting. I, I find that that's one of the most fascinating things to think about ever. I think it's amazing. I think it's so great that these communities have had the opportunity to do that and to be uncontacted. Yeah, it is a weird, it is an interesting thing to think about. Like, is it better to just leave them alone and let them live their lives? Or would they want, you know, the advancements that we have in modern society? I that, mean, that was kind of the conversation to do with the Andaman Islands mm, with those people. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, so this is a very, very uh, untouched community. Mm-hmm. And so they stocked up. So once they got to Asaramias, they stocked up on their supplies and they continued up the Asaramias River. Mm-hmm. They were following the river for some time, exploring the lands, crossing mountains until their supplies were starting to get pretty low. And the group was thinking to themselves, what are we going to do for food? We have to hunt something. We're going to hunt monkeys and eat them. Ew. Well, I mean, you got that it. That is very Indiana Jones. That's Didn't very they Indiana eat the Jones. monkey brains? Monkey brains. Oh, gosh. No, thank you. Carl, who is the Austrian geologist, the one who is leading the trip, mm-hmm. he's the one that kind of said, this is where we're going on the map. And he led them up this river. And it was seemed a little bit unorganized. And, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, seriously. And he wasn't super keen on the idea of eating monkeys who refused to eat them, and you became a little bit weak and frail. What? He's leading this trip. He should be getting the food. He was really struggling. Wow. And eventually they actually had to retreat and head back to the Asamarias to regroup. Is it Asamarias or Asariamas? Asariamas. Mm. What did I say? Marias. Asamarias. No, definitely Asariamas. Riamas. Okay, just a second. I just say Asa. I mean, whatever. Just say Asa. Okay. So they head back to there, they regroup, and they're like, okay, what are we doing now? So once they're back in the village, Carl tells the group about a new plan. Oh, he's just oh, said, Carl's got some plans. Carl, he? Carl is just making things up on the spot, I reckon. Oh, jeez. So he's like, new plan. We're going to take a raft down the Tucci River to a place called Kuri Playa, where he said that he thought there was a small gold quarry that maybe had been abandoned. Mm. So he's thinking gold. He's really got his eyes on the prize. Yes. The gold. Then they would continue on to Runabake. Oh, have we is, been there? No, we haven't. Why does that sound familiar? Runabake is the, <laughs> you're like, Runabake is Amanda and Ryan's story from oh, a couple yes. of weeks ago, the World Wanderers, when we had them on the podcast to talk about their crazy trip out to Runabake. Yes. Yes. In so, Bolivia. Yes, in Bolivia. Yes. So they were going to continue to Runabake and then eventually loop back to La Paz. So that was the plan. So they're like, all right, Carl's like, new plan. Let's start again. Mm-mm. So the four men, along with the village locals, made a raft and they took off along the Tulti River. Just the four men, but they had the locals help them make the raft. It was only once that they were on the river did Carl, remember, he's a little bit of a weirdo. Okay. All right. And he tells them that there's some extreme rapids, waterfalls, and rocks up ahead in the river. Oh, my God. Who is this guy? As well as the fact that, oh, by the way, guys, I'm not actually a very good swimmer. Oh, jeez. Did I, I, I'd be like, no, turn around, take yeah. me back. So Carl's, Carl's odd, very odd. Yeah, right. clearly. So they actually kind of get like very annoyed at him at this stage and he gets a little bit of a group separation because uh, Yossi and Kevin are thinking to themselves, and actually, sorry, not thinking to themselves, they're telling Carl, they're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, mm-hmm. you're like talking about adventures, you're leading us up the river. Because remember the first one, like they lead up the river, nothing happens, he won't eat the monkeys, I have to come back. So they're already annoyed at him at that. They go down the river again 
And he's like, I can't swim. There's rapids up ahead. I'm going to go. Oh, my God. I'm going to go back. So they're like, fuck, dude. We're, we're, we're annoyed at you. They also grew like very distrustful of him. They're like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Clearly. He screwed up multiple times. He's not in the monkeys. He can't swim. What is he doing out here? So they feel duped by him and they actually decide that they're going to split up. Mm, okay. So Dodgy Carl decides to go back and Dodgy Swiss. Dodgy Carl. Yeah, and like Dr. Carl. <laughs> Dodgy Carl go, decides to go back and Swiss Marcus goes with him. Okay. They're going to decide that they're going to walk up the river until they reach the village that they'd passed. While Yossi and the Yankee Kevin, they decide to continue down the river on the raft. Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle. And they Yankee Swap. <laughs> Yankee Swap. And they have plans that they're eventually going to reconvene back in La Paz just before Christmas. But unfortunately, that would never eventuate. Oh, no. So now I'm going to break away into Yossi and Kevin's story. Okay. Are you going to circle back to Carl? I'm going to circle back to Dodgy multiple Carl. things. Okay? okay. I'm going to break. There's a couple of little different stories here, little subplots. So okay. Yossi and Kevin's story starts with, so remember, Yossi's an Israeli adventurer. Kevin is an American photographer. And they're cruising down the river towards the rapids on this raft that they made. Fun. They made their way down a few, surviving. But then they see this big fuck-off waterfall ahead, and they realize, we're probably not going to be able to make it down on this raft. Cancel. Cancel this. It's not going to work. <laughs> so they, at some stage, they lose control of the raft, and Kevin manages to bail and make it to the riverbank, but Yossi wasn't as lucky, and he continued drifting down the heavy flow. Oh, my God. Kevin says, I was horrified as I watched my buddy Yossi fall into the river. I tried to jump in and pull him out, but the river suddenly turned into a whirlpool. Oh, my goodness. Yossi then went over the falls and disappeared from Kevin's view. Forever? Now, I'm going to tell you Kevin's story. Okay. Kevin's story. Let's hear Kevin's side of the story. Kevin made it to the shore, to the riverbank, but he had no idea where he was or where Yossi was. He had the difficult decision of trekking back to the village to try and save himself or to continue on to try and rescue his mate Yossi. And he chose the latter. Oh, what a good man. He said, end quote, I was faced with a choice. Should I save my own life and return to the village where our ill-fated adventure had begun, or should I cross the other side of the rapids and look for Yossi? I decided upon the latter. My conscience would never allow me to abandon him. Courageous Kevin. Yes. So he dodgy had- call and courageous Kevin. Yes. So he had to like cross the wild current. So he had to get from one side of the river to the other. So he had to swim across. Oh, he said wow. he was a pretty good swimmer. So he crossed it and he had to make a mad dash down the river to try and find Yossi. For days, he trekked through the jungle, finding berries and random birds' eggs to eat while using his machete to try and find any small animals that he came across. Lovely. He was walking. He had wet feet. He was very conscious about walking, like keeping his feet protected and he was walking through the harsh terrain, but his feet got so severely beaten up, they were giving him a lot of grief. Um, but didn't they dry? <laughs> or they just stayed wet the whole okay, time? Okay, so in the Amazon, it's super, super humid, and it's raining, because I think oh, they were okay, there okay. around December. So it's raining a ton, it's really humid, so you can't get anything dry. He doesn't have any materials, because he lost all his materials and equipment when the raft went over, so he can't make a fire, he can't do anything. So he's getting really beaten up as he's walking. Wow. His dogs are barking. His dogs are. <laughs> so on day five, he suddenly, like, he realizes that his feet are just way too beat up and he can't keep walking anymore. So he decides that he's going to float down the river instead. 
Oh. So he goes, okay. yeah. So he goes to the riverbank and he finds a tree trunk that had fallen down, and he basically rode it like a pool float <gasps> down the river. That is hilarious. Didn't he get like if you're on a barrel and then you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're on a barrel, wouldn't it just keep spinning? Well, I think he's just holding onto it. Okay. So he's not like he's not oh, like okay. So he's, he's not, not up on the thing going. Yeah, it's like, not a, like cartoon. a cartoon. Yeah. No, no, he's he's not doing that. He <laughs> just grabs a log and just basically throws it in, grabs his body on top of it, and just lets it drag him down the river. That's smart. Hitch a ride. Yeah, hitching a ride. Thankfully, a short while later, though, he actually came across two indigenous Indians who were on the riverbank up ahead fishing. Mm. So he yells out to them in Spanish, "Help me! Help me!" And they were just able to grab his tree as he floated past them, and he had been saved. Wow, that's nice. So he was very lucky to come across these these uh, locals. Indeed. After recovering, Kevin made his way back to the capital, to La Paz, and immediately hit up the embassies to try and see if he can find, try and get a search and rescue party for his missing friends. Okay. So he hadn't heard from – obviously, Yossi went over the falls. He hadn't heard from Carl, and he hadn't heard from Marcus. So he goes to the Austrian embassies, the Israeli – and to Kevin's surprise, he actually finds out that Dodgy Carl, remember that guy? Yeah. Is in fact a wanted criminal. <gasps> yes. From, I love this. From Interpol and was most likely operating under a fake name and had been known to lead people off on fake trips. Like they knew who he was. Was he asking them, was Dodgy Call asking them for money to be on this trip? Like, was he like being a tour leader? I'm not sure. Or was he going to do like a, you help me find the treasure and I'll split it with you. And then once you get the treasure, it's like pop, pop. Well, it could be a little bit of pop, pop. He also could just be a really weird guy. But they (laughs) they knew of him. I definitely have to see this movie. This has so many elements that I love. Treasure, Interpol, criminals. Criminals. International criminals. Kooky people. Dodgy yes. people. So, and remember, this is the 80s. You can kind of, there's no internet. There's no, the flow of information is not as readily available. So you can kind of disappear in places like this. God bless the 80s. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> so it takes a bit of time, but Kevin actually is able to organize a search party in the end and off he sets. Okay. Now, we're going to switch gears now and go to Yoshi's story. Oh, please be alive. Okay. Meanwhile. Is this, Dan- this is Daniel Radcliffe. This is Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. So, meanwhile, Yossi has just taken a big tumble over the falls. Oh, he, he took a big his, old tumble. He whacks his head. He is Poor floating guy. down the river and he's just, he's pretty, he's pretty wrecked at this stage, right? Mm-hmm. But he survives. And Hallelujah. He's, he's floating down the river, but he has no idea once again where he is. And he decides he's going to try and start trekking back upstream to try and find Kevin. Mm. But I'm not sure how the river flows or how the dynamic, basically, he doesn't find him, obviously. It would be funny if he was walking upstream and then he saw Kevin on his log floating, floating downstream. downstream and they were like, hey. Hey, uh, where are you going? Kevin's just like, woo. <laughs> Get some beers, bro. <laughs> so what endured next was a hell-like three weeks <gasps> as he wandered aimlessly through the middle of the Amazon jungle trying to find help and rescue. Wow. That's a long time. It's a very long time. So he had no supplies and he had no proper equipment to survive in the jungle, but he was a survivor and survived. He did. Wow. It's so impressive. It, yeah, very impressive. He trekked through the jungle and once again, his feet became like a complete mess. It's so, all about the feet. Well, if your feet go down, you can't walk. That's true. So he was really, they were really beat up. He was getting eaten alive by bugs. And he also said he had some kind of weird, like, nasty fungus on his feet. Oh, no. That was basically eating his feet, like, deteriorating his flesh. 
That's no fun. So he, they were like really beat up. And this is what he said. He was in so much pain from his feet. This is crazy. He actually... Um, Chopped went, them off? No, no, no. <laughs> he said they were just chunks of exposed flesh. I couldn't take the pain. So guess what he did to distract the pain from his feet? Uh, pinch himself? Way worse. I don't know. He found a nest of fire ants that were on a tree and he shook the tree until the fire ants fell all over him and bit his body. And he got this, uh, he said, um, I dragged myself to a tree full of fire ants and shook it on my head. The waves of pain and adrenaline distracted me from my feet. That is crazy. So he got that natural adrenaline boost from having the stings because they also emit like a toxin. That's Oh man, if you've ever been bitten by a fire ant, they are very painful. Can I tell you a five-second uh, uh, anecdote? Yes. It's not a personal anecdote. It's something I heard on a true crime podcast. But basically, this young woman was a, a, a attacked, assaulted, and left for dead in a ditch. And she would have bled out and died. But she actually got thrown onto a nest of fire ants. And they bit her. And the adrenaline kept her alive until she was found the next day. That's crazy. Isn't well, that, that crazy? That is crazy. Well, that's exactly the same thing that happened here. So he was basically losing the will to live. His feet were just completely fucked. And he just shook this tree and the fire ants just ran over his body. And he got such an adrenaline rush from the toxins and from the pain that he actually was able to fight through it. That is insane. Yeah. It's so weird how when one part of your body hurts, you like want to pinch another part of your body to distract yourself. I guess you're it just works. putting yourself in more pain. Double the that's pain. so weird. But Very. that's, that's I mean, it worked, obviously, so good for him. Yeah. So here are some other crazy things that happened to him while he was in the jungle. He says on the sixth day of being lost in the Amazon, he woke up to growls and snarls and found a jaguar scoping him out, ready to attack. Oh, my God. So he woke up and he just heard, like, he heard something in the bushes rustling, and then he just sort of, like, was like, wow, what's that? Because he also was kind of, like, going crazy a little bit as well. Yeah. Because he's out there by himself and he's hearing all these noises. But then he starts to say that he hears these, like, and this jaguar is stalking him. basically oh like, scoping God. him out. And he said he pretty much came face to face with a jaguar, and he had a lighter, and he had mosquito repellent, and he used it to make a little makeshift flamethrower. This guy is a genius. And just went like, and sprayed it in the jaguar's face, and the jaguar shit itself and took off. I would not have thought to do that, but that's actually genius. Crazy, yeah? He also got trapped in a flood at one stage and almost drowned, and he fell into a couple of muddy bogs and almost sunk to his death as well. (gasps) So he was walking and then fell into essentially quicksand. So he was just walking along the path. And next thing you know, he just stepped into something and he was a sinking and could barely get out and like both times almost drowned. Okay. So of those three deaths, one death from drowning in a flood, (laughs) one death by jaguar attack, and one death by slowly sinking in a bog, which one is would you choose if you had to choose one of those three? Oh, man. I mean, is somebody going to know my story afterwards? yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think yes. the quickest way is probably just to drown. Oh, I don't know. That sounds pretty awful. Well, they say it can be a little bit peaceful. I don't know. I feel like the worst way, the most painful would to be to die by Jaguar. But it's a pretty cool story. I think the worst would be the bog sinking because you're doing it so slow. So slow, yeah. You're almost like oh, so aware of it. I feel like the Jaguar would be pretty quick. No, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. It I think the Jaguar would probably be the slowest. Okay, well. And the, definitely the most painful. Okay. 
there you go. <laughs> but it would be the best story, obviously. It would definitely be the best story if you had to go out. Yeah. Yeah. Just definitely not the bogs. <laughs> yeah, no, that would that would not be <laughs> Scary. good. Scary. Um, okay, what else happens to him? So, all right, so yeah, I mean, what else? Seriously, what else? So it's the Jaguar, he's got the floods, he's got the muddy bogs. He also became super feverish and he was hallucinating by the third week. Mm. And he said that each night he was dreaming that he was joined by a girl in the middle of the jungle. Wow. So he was, he had these hallucinations that somebody was out there with him joining him for his adventure. Whoa, supernatural. Yeah, and they were talking to him and he like, he felt like they were really real. Whoa. Yeah. And then he talked to the locals and they were like, there was a girl who passed away here 10 years ago. (laughs) Haunted Amazon. Haunts these lands. For food, he forged for berries and fruit. He also looked for bird eggs. And I think he might have managed the odd monkey, like if it had fallen from a tree and he was able to get it. He managed the monkeys? No, well, managed. I'm manager, Mr. Manager Mr. of the monkey monkeys. manager. <laughs> he was able to manage to eat one if he found one. Okay, but yeah, it. remember, so he doesn't have a lot of materials in him uh, and things like that for hunting and that. So he was pretty, pretty limited in his options. And he's got that crazy pain in his feet so he can barely walk and he was beat up he was in agony and he says he recalls many times asking god basically just to take him in the middle of the night he was just like i i can't do this i need some relief please just the jungle can you take me Hmm. and he says one day he lay down in the jungle and he was basically ready like for the jungle to take his mind his body his soul he just laid down and he thought this is it he closed his eyes and just said I'm out. And then in the distance, he hears the low rumble of an engine and he thinks, what is this? And because remember, he's hallucinating. And I think he pretty much knows he's hallucinating, but it's also hard for him because he's just so out of it. But he hears an engine, or at least what he thinks is an engine. So he scrambles to his feet. He runs to the riverbank. And who does he find? Kevin. Kevin. Oh, Kevin, his friend is back. He's riding on a log. (laughs) So Kevin was on a local boat with some indigenous uh, local villagers with a man called, I'm going to give him a shout out because I think he was pretty much the main reason that Yossi is alive today. His name was Abelardo Tudalo. I really, you know, that's kind of respect I got for this guy. Abelardo Tudalo. Tudalo. Anyway, his name was Tico. That was his nickname. Okay. And Tico was leading the charge of the search and rescue party. And they were on the third and final day of searching <sighs> for him. And they were literally about to give up. They were only going to look for three days. That doesn't seem like Well, I guess it was just at that stage. He Remember, he'd already been missing for three weeks. Yeah, okay. So and it could have been anywhere. Could have been anywhere. So they were, yeah. So third day, final day, about to give up. And then Yossi just climbs out of the jungle and just calls at them and they found him and he was rescued. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the relief of seeing somebody? You would almost be like, I don't believe it. Well, 100%. You'd just be like, okay. Wow. This is not true. I'm hallucinating again. Yeah. And so despite needing – he needed about three months in hospital to recover. (gasps) But he did it. I think he had a blood infection and his feet were – fucked and he was really really skinny like he lost a lot of weight there's a picture yeah. i don't think i have the picture oh i'll put the picture up in the show notes but he's really skinny oh wow like crazy skinny but he survived and kevin and him survived and they're all good that is awesome yay yes. I, I figured he might survive because he's daniel radcliffe or at least stay alive long enough to make a movie about it yeah i mean he wrote a book so <laughs> that was, a, that was oh, the biggest he wrote the book okay, yeah that okay. was the biggest spoiler alert but Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of information on this, but both Carl and Marcus were never heard of again. Really? 
Yes. So they went, they turned back to go back to the village. Yes. And then they just disappeared. There were a few uh, search and rescue missions out to try and find them, but they never showed up. And still to this day, they have zero idea whatever happened to them. Wow, that's interesting because you would think the safer route would have been to turn back, but those two guys disappeared and the guys that went further down the river survived. So. And they just have, they have no idea. Like, I mean, Carl, remember, Carl's already pretty, a bit of a dodgy person. So Carl could have killed Marcus and disappeared. And, you know, he was obviously operating under an alias anyway. So maybe he found his gold. He's living it up somewhere. You never know. Well, you know, what's interesting is that they, uh, what was it? The people who rescued Kevin, the villagers that when he was floating down on his little pool floaty. Love it. They were actually from the village that they were trying to get to, the gold one. Oh, did they have the gold? I don't know. Huh. Someone had the gold. That's so interesting. I want to follow up on Dodgy Carl. Where is he? I had a look. There actually is no information. Oh, I think Reddit knows. Reddit I, knows I, everything. I was on the Reddit forum. Oh, you went on Reddit? I went, I went okay. on the Reddit threads. I was scoping it out. There, unfortunately, is not much information about him. And yeah, in because it's also pre- like a lot of like good information gathering because 40 years ago. So went a lot of great records, but yeah, never heard of again. Most likely just perished in the jungle. One of them first, then the next one and never heard of again. Wow. There you go. Insane. So that is the story of Yossi Ginsberg and it's called Jungle. There's a name. Actually, I think it's called something like the Tucci River and then they translated it and it eventually became called the... Jungle, a harrowing true story of survival, and then it turned into a 2017 movie called Jungle. Oh, so that was recent. Yes, recently. It's on Amazon Prime if you have a subscription for free, and I think that might be it. Otherwise, you can find it on other places. I don't know. We are not a movie streaming podcast. True, but we do love to stream. But we do stream things, but we don't, you know, we don't typically talk about it on the podcast, but you know, hey, if you've got any movie streaming questions, just ask us. Just ask us. We'll try to help you. Yeah. So that's the story of Jungle. That is an amazing story. I've never heard about it before. We should watch the movie. I would like to watch a movie. It's a little bit of a, it's obviously a survival story, but it's kind of like a little bit of a thriller, almost like psychological thriller, because there's all these weird things happening in his mind and- you know, you see Carl and that. But it's a really good travel story because at the start, you see them backpacking through South America and how it's very rustic and what it would be like, especially in the 80s. And yeah, it. it's good. I think Dan Radcliffe does a pretty good job. Mm. He's a good actor, I think. He's a very good actor. I mean, who doesn't love him? He was Harry Potter. Yeah, that's it. Wow, that was very well told. Thank you for sharing that with me. No worries. I hope you guys, Voyagers, enjoyed the story. Uh, actually, my story I think I'm going to do next week when it's my time to shine is also a treasure. Well, it, this wasn't a treasure hunting story, but it did have a bit of element to that. And mine will be related to treasure hunting. Well, I love treasure hunting and I love Indiana Jones and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to your story next week. Me too. And keep them coming. Yeah. Keep them coming. I will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap up for this week. That is all that we've got. But we do have more stuff happening this week because we're jumping into some more Voyager chats. We've got one dropping on Thursday. We're very excited to share that with you. 
and we're just going to keep the good the good times rolling. Yeah, hit us up. If you have a story you want to submit, notsobonvoyage.com slash submit. Yep, that's it. And if you do know of any other great stories, like the story of Into the Wild or like the story of Jungle, you can always hit us up and say to us, hey, Jules and Christine, you should check out the story of this person or this person. And we'll investigate and we'll give you a shout out for helping do a little bit of the work for us. Because yeah. you know that if we're about anything on this podcast, it is about other people. Aviation law. Yes, aviation law <laughs> and other people doing work for us. That's true. That's why we have our senior intern, Kamran. That's it. No, I think he's a uh, senior. Oh, is he assistant to the assistant he's to the podcasters? Yeah, or? I think so. Okay. Something like that. Something like that. Yep. Mr. So, Monkey Manager. Yeah. So if you want to do one more thing for us before you leave, uh, drop us a subscribe and make sure that you're following each week and tell your friends about our podcast. You can rate us on and review us on Amazon. That. Um, <laughs> Don't go on Amazon. We don't go on Amazon. And don't go into the Amazon. I've just got Amazon on the brain. You can <laughs> yeah. rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and that's pretty much the only one you can rate and review us. But, uh, you know, just whatever you can do to help the podcast, we're all for it. Yeah, clearly. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on Thursday for our Voyager chat. That's it, guys. And if you're traveling, remember to stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Peace. Bye.